You are listening to the Photo Bomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boure and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me today is Gary Hughes. Hello. As always, uh, today is an interesting day. It is. Uh, I have a little rant. Okay. Uh, that, I, that I want to do, and then, we'll, and, then we'll, and then we'll backtrack to this. Here's my rant. Hold on, hold on. Let me get my phone out so I can not pay attention. All right, that's a good plan. <clears throat> today should be like every other podcast. Yeah, it'll be the same. A, 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 a okay. rant? Are you, are you serious? That yeah, is so th- unlike you. Okay, this, this, okay, here's what gets me. Okay. Like, what, what is it that is, is, is chapping your ass this week? Okay, so I'm using uh, Evernote. Okay. And uh, and I'm getting ready for the show and putting together some notes. Mm-hmm. And so then I decide to uh, delete one of the notes. Mm-hmm. So I right-click, a little menu comes up, mm-hmm. and I'm scrolling down. Where's delete, 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 delete? No, I don't see delete. I don't see delete. And oh, it, okay, now I've got, I'm now reading each line. Line, read, read, read. Oh, move to trash. Yeah, what the hell is that? Can we just call it delete? I think we should. Yeah. And because we're seeing this, like Google Drive, I think, does this. Uh, and more and more, we're seeing where I've instead of it. having delete, mm-hmm. they're saying move to trash. Right, I've seen it. And, and, or, or something along those lines. And I think the idea is they want to point out that it's not actually going to be deleted. It's going to be moved to a trash thing, and then later you can recover it. Right, but who doesn't already know that? I know. Can and we just delete why it? Why use three words when one will do the trick? It's like, I, I feel like we're going to be driving soon, and you're going to come to a corner, and there's going to be a sign that says, please halt your car, instead of just stop. <laughs> can we just stay with stop no. and go and delete and save and copy? What's next? Make a facsimile of this item. No, um. copy. How about I, copy? I don't... Look, I get it. Like, delete literally, you know, to people's minds might mean let's totally eliminate the document. And move to trash is, yes, more accurate. But... Not worried about that. Yeah, but, like, seriously, it's, like, who cares? Like, if you really want to nitpick the English language on stuff like this, can we just keep it delete? Because, like, my, my eyeball is looking for delete. Right. right. Well, and see, that's the thing. That's why you went over move to trash, like, six times. Exactly. Well, the point is that we, we are being trained to be an icon conscious society mm-hmm. to see pictures and of things that tell us what to do as opposed to reading things and so now when we scroll through delete is like a picture we don't read the word delete we just recognize that word that means delete so that's what we're looking for when we're scrolling through the menu we're not looking for move to trash that requires us to actually read it you right. know it's like when facebook when i, I, I didn't realize embarrassingly i didn't realize i never paid attention i didn't realize facebook did this and my wife pointed it out is that when you hit your uh notifications on facebook and it says this person liked your thing that person liked your thing well there's a little icon on each notification and if you look the, there is an icon for comment did you not know this gary no i've just not there is an it. icon for comment and so if you look at the notifications you can just scroll down until you see the one that says comment because that's the one you want to go look at. Okay. If someone comments on something, you want to see what they... Yeah, I don't give a crap if they liked it. I want to comment. Right. I, well, I've been saying for years, please, Facebook, allow me to turn off the likes. I don't need to know that, you know, like what's wonderful is when you post a bunch of pictures from an event or something and then someone goes in and likes every one of them. Now you've got 20 likes from that. I don't need to, I don't need to know that. No. But if someone comments, I want to know about that so I can go read the comment. So now I don't have to read it anymore. I just scroll down and look for the little icon that means comment. And then I click on that, and then I can go straight to the comment. It would be it would be cool in the in the um, notifications um, tab if you could sort sort. Oh God, yes! Please put at the top anything that was written. Yeah, just you could sort by comments, and they could put the little icons there, and you could click yes. on which ones you want to see. Yes, but you know that doesn't always work either because um, people can comment on something maybe where you were tagged that, and it won't have the comment icon. 
And Facebook, they need to get it together. They're a young company. Yeah, I'm telling you. I understand you. the mistakes that they're making. Yeah, they, they, those, those kids just don't know anything. They just <laughs> don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so something, uh, something odd happened today um, before the podcast. Yeah. Um, you uh, brought with you mm. your brother-in-law, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Your brother-in-law Joe, and, Joe his, and his, uh, his wife-to-be. Yep. Uh, because they're getting married next year and they're looking for a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. So uh, you had showed them some different examples of... And, and I, wonderful, by the way, that you didn't just say... You should pick this guy, but you showed them a lot of other photographers, so they could pick someone other than me. Well, and I appreciate ph- that. There's a reason behind that. But <laughs> wedding photography, I think, uh, especially when you're hiring a wedding photographer, is about style, and so like you have to connect with the work. Yes. No. Know? No. I'm making fun of you, but you're absolutely and right. So well, you have I, to connect with. The I work. send them names of all all people that I know and that I trust to do the job, but I also sent the names of people who shoot in very different styles. And right. So you were one of the names that I had sent them. Yeah. Right. There was a, this is the modern art. Here is the abstract wedding photographer. So forth. Here's traditional. Here's avant-garde. Right. Here's edgy. Here's light and airy. You know, there are a bunch of different. And styles. they said that they wanted to meet me. Yeah. They wanted and to meet they you. wanted to meet me with you there. They yeah, which was you know I, I, I you know what was that about? I don't know because I know you right. and i was like look Bura, he, he'll be fine they're like no we, we'd really like you to be there i'm like okay and i, I seriously i sat there and I, I don't think i said said three things but oh you said plenty what no, do you mean you sat no. there and didn't say three half the time you took over the conversation which i was glad to have You're you do so full of shit no there were some of the time You're so full. there you were times you were like oh you want to do this and by the way you don't you want you want to have you an open bar and stop talking have, long well, enough oh, to that's breathe. true i never stopped talking <laughs> I never said that. That's true. How could I have owned the conversation that's when true. I don't even think you took a breath? You do it right here all the time. I'm just saying, you, if there's anyone who knows how to break in on me, it's you. I'm thinking that if we had a little algorithm to do a word count of our podcast and see who gets the most words in, I think that oh, maybe some episodes more me, but I think that probably 80% no, would be you. I would disagree. Mm-hmm. I would say, of course I, you would. I would say in the first uh, 50, 70, 90 episodes, maybe, but I would say that in the last two or three months, that you, my friend, have, have uh, talked more uh, because you've had so much going on in your life that there have been many more instances where I have said, Gary, tell us about the book. And you have nothing going on. So yeah. that's... And exactly. Well, I mean, I have little... Uh, I have a rant about the delete button, but you have a book. <laughs> so what you're or saying Or you is, just got picked to do it with WPPI. So that's, you know, something what are you, we want to talk you, about. You're saying that I'm carrying the show. I'm not saying, saying you're carrying the show. <laughs> I'm saying that there are times when I will act as an interviewer to you. But yeah. you never do that to me. No, well, you know, you never go. You know, Bure, um, I like you to talk about this. You never do that. Get some stuff going. Then I got stuff going. <laughs> I got stuff. There's there's stuff. <laughs> so anyway, so you have no stuff. I have no stuff. <laughs> I need a place for my stuff. So so uh, so I had to sit here and basically kind of pitch to them. In front of you, I've never seen you do your thing. Well, it wasn't uh, that wasn't my real. It wasn't the full court press. It wasn't the full. Yeah, because you know, they're family. Yeah, Yeah. they're family. So I just wanted to be more like, well, here's the details and get to know me and so forth. But that was interesting. It was the hardest soft sell I've ever seen. Yeah, it wasn't a real soft sell because once I'm into the groove, I'm gonna. It was a very. It was a hard soft sell. It was a hard sell that that had the. It was a soft sell that had the feeling of a hard sell. Okay, like, but people or a hard sale that had the feeling of a soft sale, or whichever one of those. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty hard soft sale. In Corsica, we say pleasure is our business. <laughs> In France, we say business is a pleasure. That's a reference to a movie that you never saw. Uh, Start Bruce- the revolution without me, Gene Wilder, Donald Sutherland. Look it up. Okay. Um. I just happened to have looked it up yesterday, and that's why that line is in my head. Yeah, I feel like we end up talking about a lot of things that you just read in a magazine the day yes. before. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. That's my, that's my role. So uh, You come on the podcast, and you talk about like serious photography stuff related to the industry. My job is to be the monkey. Yeah. My, that's my job. Yeah, dance monkey. Yeah. So let's talk about your spiel, then. Your spiel. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I mean, no, it's good. Well, I, well, there was no spiel. I mean, there was... There was 
there was okay here's my you know like w- normally I wouldn't I would like to pricing and stuff with them much quicker than I would normally right normally I spend a lot of time trying to sell them on the idea of me and with them I'm like well I think they're pretty probably already sold on the idea of me so what I want to do now is talk about pricing because that's probably really what they want to talk about more than anything yeah so I you know so I so I talked about that but what I thought was interesting is that um I don't know if I said it or they said it, but the question was posed to you: What's the most important thing that you should look for? Yeah, they asked me what we should, what they should know. Yeah, because I said, because I said, uh, do you have any questions or anything? And they said, Gary, you know, what should we be asking, or what's the most important thing that we should be we should be looking for? And you said, I said, um, make sure you hire people you don't have to worry about. When you're going to hire people for a wedding or an event, you want to hire people you don't have to worry about. That's that to me. That's important because. You know, we we talked about this. Is that leading up to a family wedding can is on the day can be the most amazing day of your life. But it like leading up to it, it, it can be one of the biggest, most stressful things. Not just because of organizing an event of that size, but because I mean, there's things like this person doesn't want to come because they are afraid to fly on an airplane, and this person doesn't want to come if this person comes, and which grandmother is going to get to sit closer to the head table, and like there are all these little things that people can sometimes get so petty about when it comes to a wedding, and for the most part on the wedding day that they, you know, they get their stuff together and everybody sort of rises to the occasion, but like when you're planning a wedding, I was like, just if you're, if you're going to do one thing, hire good professional people who you don't have to think about who know their business so well that you don't have to worry about them. You just go and you have your wedding day and the people that are working for you are going to handle themselves just fine. And that's what I said was the most important thing. It's funny because I would have said the same thing. I would have said it in a different way. But when I think about what I, what my spiel is, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, when I'm talking to a client, what I'm trying to sell them on, that is what I'm trying to sell them on. I don't use those words, but the thing that I always try to, I, I really find myself coming back to more and more is pointing out, you want a photographer who has liability insurance, who has experience, who has backup equipment. And all of these things are what make a photographer someone who you don't have to worry right. about on the day. So marketing to your clients, I think that what you do successfully that I saw today when you present the prices, it's like, look, here are all the prices. But here's, you just got to book in, reserve the date, yes. deposit. Yeah. You don't have to, that, and I love that as a sales pitch for weddings is when you go, look, the only thing you got to decide right now is if you want me to be your photographer. Right. That, yeah, all that, the other, yeah. all yeah. the other details will work out. You don't have to commit to any packages. All you got to do is leave a deposit to reserve the date. The wedding's like a year away. Right. So we'll work all those details out as time goes right. on. No problem. And that's a pretty good sales technique because you watch people go, I watch them both go, Oh, thank God. Because they were looking at the price list and the contract. Yeah. Well, was, they're not it, prepared. It, it they're was, not prepared when they come in to meet you. No. They have to sit down. And now we've got to sit down and figure out what size album we want. Yeah. No, you don't have no. to worry about any of that stuff. Well, it was funny because, you know, um, I think that's a pretty good sales tactic is like when you, if you present them with a whole bunch of overwhelming stuff. And then say, you don't have to worry about it. And this. say... Never mind. You know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that off your plate. It's, it's like if the doctor comes out of surgery and goes, I'm sorry, the. Uh, your your wife didn't make it. Oh wait, you're not Mrs. Johnson. Okay, I'm sorry. Gets <laughs> <laughs> all stressed. Now they out. love you. Now they love you because yeah. you gave them the good news. <laughs> exactly. That's not a bad. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that's it's a pretty dirty sale, but it was fun to watch you. You know, do a little bit of your thing, and I like the. Yeah, you did get you got a little condensed version of it. Normally, there's a whole slideshow in which I show. I, I'm a little disappointed yeah, that I didn't. get I to do see a whole. That. Well, I well the slideshow. What I really try to do is educate them a little bit because I think the hardest thing to do as a wedding photographer, one of the hardest things to do in today's market, although it's not as bad as it was a few years ago, we're not seeing as many 
faux photographers, for lack of a better word. Well, the people that were have gotten a lot better for the most part, I think. Is yeah, and the people who yeah. got into it because there was a are we now. had a depression who got got into photography as a result are no longer in Mostly it. They either got good now, or yeah. they got out. Yeah. So you're not seeing it as bad as before. But before, when your competition was the guy with the camera who was charging 500 bucks, uh, my, my, I saw my challenge as I need to educate these people so they recognize a good picture when they see it. Right. Because if they recognize a good picture when they see it, then I'm the obvious choice. Right. You yeah. know. I think that the cool thing about marketing to younger people, these so-called millennials, uh, of which I'm on the borderline of, um, I think is that... Um, what is the... By the way, is there an official designation? I've read several different ones. Because like Generation X was... It was supposedly ended 80 or 81 or 79, depending on who you ask. Being born? Yeah. Being born by 81. But I've seen several different ones. Are you talking about general, Generation X or are you talking about Millennials? Millennials. Okay. Like, well, no, what was millennials? General, was it general... Because I was on the border with Generation X. Right. Like my year of birth was like the cutoff year. Between baby boomers and Generation yes. X. Well, like for I've seen cutoff years. Millennials... I would say kids born in... In the mid '80s and on, right. you know, people who are coming of age around the turn right. of the century, kind of thing, and then beyond that. And but I think that you know, um, market research from all over shows that people are willing to pay for experiences, and that also this generation is finding a lot of things that would be considered retro, a lot of analog things more interesting. I know so many people my age and younger who have collections of vinyl. You know, I, stuff like that. Right. And people who are now, there's a big, big movement to print your photos. PPA's doing it. And there's all kinds of apps to, like, automatically print every 60 photos that you post on Instagram and stuff like that. Like, all these, the printed stuff is coming back. And I think that the everything that we know about how to market to millennials says that, um, one, it's better if it's their idea. They don't like to be sold to. And two is that they'll pay money for good experience over stuff. They will buy experiences over stuff every right, single time. Right. And so I think that when you consider that now that according to the Department of Statistics of Labor and Death or whatever, there's a, I looked it up one time. It's the Department the, of Labor and Death. Yeah, the Bureau, it's a Bureau of, <laughs> of Statistics of some kind. I I'm, the, I'm the SAR. I was putting of together death. a wedding program a couple of years ago yeah. and it's like, um, I think it's 75% of, of women get married for the first time, uh, before their 30th birthday. And okay. I think that's moved back a little bit. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to realize, as a wedding photographer, the longer you're in the business, your clients, eventually, they slip into another generation. So now I think the millennials are the ones that are getting married for in large part. And so, you, you know, you have to consider how to market to that. And I think that the way that, that you do it is pretty cool because it's sort of like, here, you pick. It's a la carte for you. Just you yep. decide, and then you let me know rather than the hard close. It's like ask for the sale and close yeah. hard. I don't think that is as effective. I go against. I, I go against so many of the things that when you see other speakers speak about this, I you know there, I almost every time I go to see a, someone speak about wedding photography. Um, Half the stuff that they say to do when dealing with the client is stuff that I do the exact opposite of. Right. And which is, you know, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. Sure. You know, like they always say, always be closing. Try to get them to, to give you money before they leave. No. Right. I don't do that at all. I, I, don't, I don't ask them to sign a contract. Out of, all the, they leave. of all the weddings, portraits, anything that I've booked, like it's not work like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I it's just, I just think it depends on who you deal with and what type of business that you have. But our weddings are typically like we want them to walk out the door and think about it. Yes. You know, if they make a decision right then and there, a lot of times I find that you'll end up having a client that you don't jive with. And they feel like they were pressured. They right. feel like they were sold. And also, there's something to be said for the reverse psychology of 
go away and think about it and come back to me. I'm I don't not, need you. I don't need you. I'm not hurting for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not worried about it because I'm very good and I'll have and I have plenty of people who want me. Absolutely. You know, and and so then it, it gives you the reverse. Wow, he's you know, whereas somebody else who's like, but if you sign today, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars off. It's really? Like, yeah. It, it's funny if you don't seem particularly motivated. I was in a coffee shop the other day. There's this really cool coffee shop. It's oh, it's starting to open more locations. It's called Downtown Credo, and it's right. It's pretty close to my house, and it's a donation business model. So you go in, and instead of a coffee is three dollars, they'll give you the coffee for free if you want it. But they have a suggested donation for every item, and so you could go in, you could give them a dollar, or you could give them ten dollars. It doesn't matter. Okay. And so you go in there, and it's so laid back that I was standing there for a couple of minutes while the barista was just chatting with a buddy, and like he wasn't like super motivated to come over and like it was the anti-customer service but when he got over to me i was like all and as soon as he got to me he was he gave me the same level of just relaxed attention that the other guy did like he didn't need me to be in his shop right now but hey i'm here so we're gonna have a good time what can i make you man you want a london fog you want a cafe ole i got you bro no Mm. problem like check out my man bun you know and you thought that was good i i i it was I my hackles were up as a customer service person as someone who grew up in a slightly different era the hackles the hackles and so but at the same time as a marketing person as a person who runs a business I start to realize that that sort of um, blasé approach to certain things can be attractive to a certain type of consumer. It's like, hey, we're glad you're here, but I'm not going to stress out about you any more than I'm going to stress out about anybody else. Like, let's, It's people feeling um, like more part of the community, more part of the group, and less special individually. Well, it's also putting forth an, uh, the idea of that place as a destination as opposed to you come in and get your coffee. It's, no, this is a room. This is a destination. It's like a party. You don't go to a party and get pissed off because the host hasn't given you wine yet. Right. It's, you know, hey, it, I'm it, coming it, to hang out. I'll get my cup of coffee in a minute when you're done talking to Jimmy Bob over Well, there. I tell you whatever they're doing, and, and generally they have great coffee, they have great service, but they're, they're opening up like several more locations in town, and it's expanding because the biz, I think um, this has been also shown again and again in marketing in the music industry is like when you give people the option to like I think uh, who did this Radiohead did it when their album one, one of their albums came yeah, out it was free just pay what you want pay what you want and like and uh, uh, who was there's a comedian that did it too Jim Gaffigan did that with one of his albums and like um, I think uh, Trent Reznor put out a Nine Inch Nails album like that and they made pl- tons of money because your average person donated like five bucks but like lots of people gave them like 20, 30 bucks, right, right. you know? So it was really, really interesting. Well, also that. because the, because by doing it themselves, they didn't have to give a cut to the uh, record right. company. Yeah. Yeah. So now literally they can get half as much and still make the same money or more. Right. And there's actually, I read a thing uh, yesterday or the day before, they're actually trying to move some legislation through Congress right now regarding ticket prices because it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. Like yeah. the guys at, at, you know, at Hamilton in New York, they're like, you know, our, our ticket is $200 and, they're all being bought up by uh, by scalpers and sold on StubHub for fifteen hundred. Right, and they're like, we we want people to buy it to pay. If we wanted people to pay fifteen hundred dollars for our tickets, we would charge fifteen hundred dollars for our tickets. We don't. We want them to pay two hundred. Right, we, you know. And there's and there's country music stars who like. I don't want my tickets to be more than seventy five dollars because I want you know the work. I want my audience to be able to come see yeah, me. StubHub is and, legal scalping. I don't right. know how they exist. It must well, be. because StubHub doesn't actually. All they do is all they do is take a like a newspaper. If you were to list a, uh, an ad in a newspaper saying you were selling tickets well you're scalping but the newspaper isn't liable for that because they're just an advertising firm and that's right. what StubHub is like eBay they just take a, they just take a, a piece of money from the transaction but not necessarily right. it's not their item that they're <coughs> right. selling yeah. but they're trying to move that through and believe it or not the folks who typically who are at odds with the artists uh, Ticketmaster and those people are actually backing this because they don't like it either 
They don't like that that people are buying tickets from Ticketmaster and then reselling them and making them. Well, a whole also lot more the money. bad the bad press comes back on them. Yes. It comes back on the artists and the ticket yeah. retailers because, like, they allow people to buy blocks of a hundred tickets and stuff right. like that, and it gets out of control. But anyway, I think that the um, the lesson I've taken away from it is that, like, um, as far as marketing, meeting today with Joe and Cassie and watching you do your thing is that how you market to people really has to change over time. And I think that, um, like you said, there's not only one way to do things, you know, successfully. But I think that depending on what your business is. You know, you could really learn a lot from going into other businesses in your community, successful local businesses, and see how they're doing things. Because and 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 find businesses that are compatible with yours, that like have a same demographic, that have a similar client base that they're trying to reach, and go, what are they doing? And I remember I saw who was it? Like probably Kay Eskridge give a class several years ago at something and she was like yeah we go through the mall and i get all the i go into all of my brands that identify with the seniors that i see she goes i go into aeropostal and i go into abercrombie and i go into you know uh, buckle and i go into all these stores and i pick up their marketing material and i check out their stores and i take pictures of their displays and i look around and i see what is their brand and how are they marketing to the people that i want to market well to. they're doing your research for you all right and yeah i mean so you're taking these companies that spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising and marketing and research and branding and you go, okay, well, what can I learn from that? And I'm thinking that that is such a cool thing to do. And I'm learning that you can learn that from a coffee shop and you can learn that from a dry cleaner and you can learn that from, you know, a, a scratch kitchen hipster restaurant where all the, everybody has a beard, you know, you can do that, which is pretty cool. So, um, learning to market to clients as we get older and our clients stay the same age. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> our clients are staying largely the same age, you know? Hey, um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, Giving Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Let's give an update on that. That's actually, thanks for bringing that up. A couple episodes ago, we talked about um, uh, uh, an event that we, I put on, um, me and Al Benke and Bert Benke and, the, and PPA Charities. It's a fundraising event, and PPA Charities is the philanthropic arm of the PPA. Yes, the philanthropic <laughs> yep. arm. And, uh, and so, basically, we raise money, and, and it's a pass-through charity, donates to other charities. And so, um, any not-for-profit can apply for funding from PPA Charities. So, all the money raised eventually is distributed out to um, other charities. And um, it was actually cool. So, we did this Giving Tuesday, which is a global fundraising initiative to help nonprofits have a day, sort of like um, Black Friday, you know, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday. So, we took the opportunity for the second year in a row. Um, on uh, Giving Tuesday to do a all-day Facebook Live kind of pledge-a-thon, pledge-drive, <laughs> like, uh, and uh, we had 30 instructors, 50 classes, went from 8 a.m. until midnight, and it was um, absolutely awesome success. It was really cool. We raised just shy of $12,000. Um, for PPA charities in the day, which was a really fantastic. Goal. Yeah, it was really so. And um, that, well, what was your goal? Uh, our goal was ten thousand. So okay. yeah, so we raised almost twelve, which is actually pretty cool. So we had some matching donors, and we had some people just come out and give ridiculous donations at the and you know like people, some people donated really? like four or five hundred dollars, wow. and like it was it was pretty wild. Like we had. I think overall we had, um, you know, I don't remember how many donors exactly now that I think of it, but, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome event. It was exhausting because <laughs> I was having, <laughs> well, to, you had to run the thing all day. Yeah. Well, between me and Bert Benke, who's the executive director of PPA charities and Al Benke, who's his son, who also works running PPA charities and volunteers, uh, the three of us were doing most of the, you know, we did bumper segments in between each class to say like, okay, here's where you can go to right. donate and yada, yada, yada. And, um, 
Yeah, I was. It was a long, long day, but it was good. It was totally worth it. We raised a lot of money. We're going to help a lot of people with that money, so that's cool. So if you're listening and you donated, thank you. That's really cool. Appreciate you very much. And if you weren't involved, go to the PPA Charities page on Facebook, and all of the videos are all still there. All the videos are still there. Pete, go to follow PPA Charities on Facebook. There's and two things I want to talk about about that. One is one of the videos where I learned something, okay, and used it right away. Uh, but the other thing, and this is, I don't know, slightly off topic, but it made me think about this, and it's one of those, oh, wow, there's something interesting I didn't know. And uh, let me preface this by saying this is not a political rant. But one of the things that they're talking about uh, that the new administration may do is they're going to uh, maybe finally overturn what they call the death tax, which is inheritance tax. Right. And the last time that it went down, um, charitable giving uh, took a huge hit. Is that right? Yeah, and they're saying that if they overturn it, and, and no matter how you feel about it, it doesn't matter. But this is an interesting thing that maybe, maybe you didn't know about it. If they overturn it, it will hurt charitable giving uh, quite a bit. And the reason is uh, the inheritance tax is 40%. Mm. So let's say you're a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. So I can leave an extra million dollars to my children. They're going to get 600000 Right. Or I can donate that million dollars to charity and write it off on my taxes. The charity gets $100,000. I get back probably $300,000 on my taxes. So it costs me $700,000 to give a million dollars to charity versus costing me a million dollars to give 600000 to my kids mm-hmm. who are already getting $200 million. I'm, you know, I'm Sam Walton or mm-hmm. whatever. And so that's when people get older and nearer to death, the really, really rich people, they donate a lot of money away because they're like, oh, the government's going to take 40% anyway, so I might as well give it to you know the kids in Africa or Botswana or whatever. And uh, they say, but once that's gone, and now all the money I, I go straight to my kids and none of it gets taken by the government, they said it's a huge hit to the charities. Hmm. Yeah. So it's one of those side effects where like, wow, that's, I wouldn't have thought about that. Hmm. Yeah. So I did. I just, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and I, and well, I, I, I plan to that. die penniless and yeah, alone. Yeah. I'm taking so. it all with me. My parents told me straight up. They're like, listen, you guys aren't going to have an inheritance. What my parents did, which is interesting, which I, which I would rather Can't that they did. Can't even leave in like a crappy old house or something? Well, there's Come a on, house. Yeah. There's a little house. <laughs> uh, but what they did was they had life insurance policies and they converted them or cashed them in and then they used that money to buy long-term care insurance. Which is basically going to be worth more than however much they would yeah. leave you. Because my parents said, we would, we're, we would rather you not get anything when we die. But know that if we end up having to go into long-term care, you don't have to pay for it. Just to give you an idea of long, like the cost of long-term care, I have a friend whose mother passed away last uh, a couple of years ago, and she lived in long-term care for like the last uh, five or six years of her life, and the long-term care cost him $80,000 a year oh my God. out of his pocket. Yeah, I would much rather have to not pay that than to get, I don't know, well, you can, some you money can, when you die. There are homes that you can go to for Medicare will pay for and stuff like that, but you wouldn't want to leave your no, mother in that no. home. You would not want your mother to be there. Not necessarily good. Okay, so the other thing is, uh, so I'm watching the videos. You know, I did a couple. I did a couple videos. I'm watching the videos. And I was watching Jamie Hayes, Mm -hmm. uh, and he did a video on how they do their lighting. Yeah, yeah, I watched that one. And so um, I do dance pictures every year. I do it on white vinyl, and I I try. I change the lighting up a lot uh, from year to year, looking for that perfect lighting scheme. Mm -hmm. And he uses a lighting scheme that I don't use, so I decided, well, I'm going to try that. So I'm doing our photo, our own family Christmas photo, and I did it on white paper here in the studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've seen the photo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to try that lighting scheme. And it worked wonderfully. Yeah. And so now I'm thinking, well, when I do dance pictures uh, next year, I'm going to try uh, this lighting scheme. If you haven't seen the video, it's, it's on the... Uh, PPA Charities Facebook page. Thank you very much. Yeah. And what they do is, instead of putting their background lights on the white vinyl, instead of putting the lights directly pointed at the background, they bounce them off the ceiling. 
and they put the lights in the back by the by the backdrop, and they bounce them up at forty five degrees facing towards the camera. Mm-hmm. So you would think you'd want to bounce off the ceiling and down into the backdrop. Mm-hmm. They don't. They go straight into the ceiling and a little forward, and they get spill back on the backdrop and spill forward. So then he meters the background and gets it at like f eleven. Then. He puts his main light up and meters that light on the subject at F11. And now he's F11 at the background and F11 on the subject, and he can t- put anyone he wants in front of that background all day long, and he's got a clean background is well lit, everything's fine. But the great side effect for white is you also, because you're bouncing off the ceiling, you're also getting light coming down on the floor. Which is going to make the floor lit, which it's hard to do when you do Which high is hard key to do lit. when you're doing high key. And so I did that for our... Um, that will work in a studio with relatively low ceilings. Right, and when I do dance pictures, they all right. dance places have usually low low ceilings and the ceiling in here is probably 12 feet and um so that's what i did in here just worked beautifully yeah lit, lit my back room clean my my bath my background was lit clean all the way across no hot spots no you know well this light's off angle or what no everything was lit great i thought the reason i never tried it before was i assumed that you would get it would be a little too hot on the shoulders and the top of the head uh-huh. But it wasn't. Not if you meet her at 11 and 11. It, yeah. it, you know, it was fine. This, and, you know, you're never too old to pick up. You never know what you're going to pick up. I'm always amazed by watching other photographers do their stuff. I always learn something. You always learn something. You can learn something from anybody. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you got nothing to learn, you should quit. You probably suck, you know, or you're certainly not going to get any better. <laughs> some of the best photographers I know, the most accomplished people in the industry, when there's a convention or, like, a, a, an event, they're there and taking notes, probably. Yeah, I'm always impressed by those people, and I'm impressed by anyone who's good or at the top of their game who is not embarrassed to say to someone hey um that thing you did that's a great idea i hadn't thought of that i'm going to try that because yeah. there, there are a lot of people who don't want to admit that well, they some, don't know everything well somehow um learning something or, or recognizing and uh, something good someone else did is take it, taking something away from yourself yes, which it's, is it's ridiculous a, it's admitting that you're not a genius yeah which is ridiculous so like um one of my um one of my favorite things that people come and say to me sometimes after I give a presentation is like, hey, hey, just wanted to say, hey, you know, like, uh, you just really reaffirmed all the stuff I'm already doing, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, shut up, you jerk. Like, what, are you going to come yeah. up? You just want to come up and tell me that you're already really yeah. smart? Like, you yeah. basically came up to me. I just want went, you to know I didn't have to come take your class yeah. because I'm as smart as you yeah, are. You well, just, nobody cares who's smart. Yeah. You basically just came up to me and went, <laughs> like, that's what I heard when you opened your mouth. Yeah. Well, just go up and say, hey, great job. I really enjoyed listening to you speak. Yeah, thanks. Hey, great job. Good to see you. That's fine. Or nothing. I'm fine with nothing, too. Yeah. That's great. Like, just don't come up and tell me, uh, I'm already doing all that stuff. Thanks for reaffirming how great I am. Like, <laughs> you jerk off. Like, come on. Well, you know, I think you get a little bit of that, though. I mean, when you get... To me, that's a lot of times... It's a, you, can, you can mark how long a person hasn't been involved with organizations like the PPA or their local guild by that sort of thing. Because when you first come in, I think a lot of people are concerned, you know, they're looking around the room and they're like, uh, you know, do all these people think I don't know what I'm doing? Right. Yeah. You like, you, know, you want to put yourself as worthy to be yeah, there. You, you want to be status. You want, you want to have your status. And then the people who have been in it for a while, uh, the longer you've been in it, the more you don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, if I go to a thing and I'm sitting there next to people who have never done this, I don't care if they think it's my first day. I don't care. Right. You know, I, you know, I don't care anymore because I realize that that's just stupid. But when you first start, you know, there's, it's either you know everything you and you're establish a little worried your place that they, they, the they, Yeah, there's that. But there's also the I don't know everything and I'm embarrassed. It's like first day of prison, dude. You yeah, gotta exactly. You got to go into the cafeteria, the big guy. Take, take on the biggest guy and just shank him right in his, right in his ribs. Just shank, 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 shank. You got to punch an old lady in the boob right for in the a TV. Boob. <laughs> 
for a TV. No, you got to, yeah, I mean, you establish dominance the first day in prison. You go right up to the biggest guy in the yard, and you kick him right in the stones, and then you stab him, shank, 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 and then it's, you know, then people know. There you go. Don't mess with Boo Ray Perry. He likes to kick people in the balls and then shank them. Is there a difference between the shank and the shiv? Shiv. Well, the shiv is the item that you shank with. Oh, so shank is a verb. It could be, I think. I thought you can't stab someone with a shank? I think you probably can. I've never been in prison, but I would assume that you... So you say. I don't think it matters what you call it. It's just that you stab them with it. You could call it Mary Poppins if you want to. But I know that it's it's a shiv... Is, is a makeshift knife, and a shank is a makeshift well, knife, Well, shank too. is also like when you miss a field goal. You shanked it. Or, or, okay. or in golf, you know? So, I don't know. I shank yeah, you can shank a, yeah, you can shank a shot. I don't know. When I, when, I, when I think of uh, somebody stabbing someone in prison, I always think of shank, 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 shank. Shank. Like, in multiple stabs, like real quick ones. There's this great, if you watch Key and Peele, have you ever seen Key and Peele? Sure. Their first season they had, um, and it was um, Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele was... Um, was uh, dressed as as Lil Wayne, like the rapper, and the idea was like he had Lil Wayne was in prison, and so he's like making a video in prison. He's walking down. And he's like, "Man, I'm the baddest mofo in this joint." Blah 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 blah. And ain't nothing on me. And all of a sudden, the dude just walks up and goes, "Shank, shank, 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 shank," and walks away. And he goes, <laughs> and he just dies on the floor. I was like, <laughs> pretty awesome. Hey, so one quick thing I wanted to talk about before we finish today, yeah, is I read this really, um, really, really fascinating little article from Resource Magazine Online which is a resource mag if you're on Instagram or Twitter. And it popped up in my feed because I follow them. They have a lot of really cool stuff on there, including photo shoots. And so this is fascinating to me. The first ever cover of Sports Illustrated is going to come out with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, on the cover. And it's the first Sports Illustrated issue ever to be photographed with a smartphone. The cover is going to be a smartphone photo. Now, this is pushed by Motorola, who's coming out and has come out with these very high-quality cameras. But not only that, but all these modular attachments to the phones that make them do other things. And so you're going to have all these little, like, plug-and-play. And I'll post this article on the Facebook page. And I am and, – and the, here's the thing. I'm looking at the photos on the website. It's going to be hard to tell because I'm going to buy the magazine because I want to see what the cover looks like. But – Looks looks pretty awesome. <laughs> it looks pretty. First great. of all, first of all, it's got to be constant lighting. Um, and no, it doesn't have to be because you can set up to you know there's attachments and plugins that you can set up to trigger a strobe with a phone. Okay, you know, I'll I'll Google that real quick. You know, I I'm a little fascinated by the the fact that the driving most important feature with new cell phones seems to be the camera quality. I, I don't know. For some reason, I'm just surprised that the general population finds the camera on the camera to be the single most important thing on the phone. Because I, I just think, I would think that it would be so ancillary to all the other things that your phone can do. It can or also you, or make phone calls, yeah. yeah. Or that you would want it to do. Uh, but no, it's all, every new phone that comes out, it's always, let's talk about the camera. All the reviews are, okay, well, first of all, let's talk about the camera because that's the most important thing. And I'm like, Really? You know, I, I don't know. I guess it's, uh, everything's turned around now where everyone wants to take pictures all the time because it was a time when, you, when most people never carried a camera anywhere. You know, it was too right. much trouble. But now that they can, now that they have it with them all the time, it's become very important. Yeah, have yeah, a good the quality camera. of the camera is like one of the most competitive parts of creating smartphones. It's, I think it's the most competitive yeah. part. It's the single thing that always gets talked about in every review of every new camera right off the bat. Let's, I mean, phone, right off the bat, let's talk about the camera. When we talk about this. Google's new phone is primarily being pushed as best camera. The Pixel. Yeah, best camera, best camera, best camera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's called the Pixel. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is that the current cameras are pretty good in the phones. So at this point, I'm like, 
I mean, how good do you really want it to we be? We have stuff on the walls in my house from our phones. Yeah, I mean, I've so, seen images in competition merit that were taken on phones. I don't see how it's that big a deal anymore. I mean, the, the, the camera, I've got the Galaxy S7. The camera is, is great. And so I'm not looking at any, I need a better camera in my phone. I've got a good enough camera because you shouldn't be using your camera phone for anything other than snapshots of, of your friends and stuff. So how good do you need it to be? I don't know. That's the thing is I think that um, that's, that's the debate. That's the push right here is that like how good does it need to be? And then, then it brings up the the... Uh, the cameras are getting so good with filters built in and, and it manages your exposure and it'll correct things and you can do so much automatic like what is left for the photographer to do and here's the thing that here's the thing that, that sticks out to me is that um, what's left for the photographer is everything else because the cameras are so <laughs> smart yeah. now yeah. that it's not about getting a good exposure it's not going to be about um, you know the, the, the quality of the photo it's going to be about how to make people look good. It's about composition. A composition. Posing. Posing and using what light is available, but it's going to be... Recognizing location and available light and how to use it. I think creativity is going to become... Right. Creativity and mastery of the things that make people look good in It's not going to be enough to say, oh, that's a good picture. Now it needs to be... A good picture. Which is actually pretty cool for, for seasoned pros and really talented photographers are going to be able to stand out that much more. All the people in the middle of the pack are going to find it in the next few years really, really hard for people to justify spending money on them when their phone in their backyard with their kid can take a picture in full sun, balance the shadows, correct it, skin soften everybody, crop it properly, make a vignette, make sure the color balance is perfect, and your phone will be able to do that all just with the click of a button. Yeah. And so the, all the middle-of-the-pack people that aren't honing their craft, that aren't really pushing the boundaries, are going to have a really hard time being competitive in the next five to ten years, even sooner maybe. What? Uh, oh, the thing that I think, though, as much as they improve these cameras, and there's a part of me that doesn't want them to, for the very reasons you just mentioned, but the one thing that I still have yet to see them anyone say that they're going to be able to, to get over this hurdle, though, is um, optical zoom. Well, that's the. I think the new iPhone Seven has dual cameras that give you an optical zoom in the phone. If you get the Plus version, the larger version, okay, it's actually got a um, like a portrait length lens and a wide lens that you can switch between in the in the software. Right, but it's not. It's still. I mean, it's an optical. It doesn't actually zoom. It switches between the lenses. Because I think because my walk around camera is a little Fuji with a a fixed uh, fifty millimeter lens on it, Mm -hmm. and I know from using that such a difference between taking pictures of my friends being out and about and portraits and stuff between that and when I have that 7200 on my camera because optical compression on your background you know can make just such a huge difference here's the thing like they're going to be the the digital approximation of that like digital zoom just sucks always has what drives me crazy is when you see people taking a picture with their phone and they're zooming with their phone and you want to tell them you're just cropping yeah you're You're not really zooming you're just cropping just Just take the picture and then you can crop it later and you're just making the picture suck that's all you're doing (laughs) Yeah, you can crop and you you know if you you know if you just take it wide and then later put it in a snap seat or whatever and crop it to what it's going to be the exact same picture. The pixels, the pixels, yeah. you're killing the yeah, pixels. Yeah, it's going to be the exact same picture. It's going to be just as crappy later as it is now, but it'll be the same picture. So I think that's interesting for photographers now. I think that the emphasis should be on creating unique works of art, creating right. something, and, and focusing on things that. Um, you know, that are going to set you apart. If you do something like I do, just take headshots. Like, it's like, you can get, like, makeup constant lights or sit somebody in front of a window. You can Google for 15 minutes and figure out a couple of things that are going to make a cell phone headshot pretty acceptable at, a, at 50 pixels on your Outlook page. Right. 
But what you can focus on is creating work that is really, really different, that really stands out. Focus on that dramatic lighting that's going to make it stand out. Focus on getting great expressions and working with your clients and flattering the way that they look, flattering their bodies, flattering their faces. You know, those things are going to make your work stand out so much. If you're middle of the pack and you're just kind of doing middling kind of work, you got to up your game. And I've already. Well, you saw my wedding program that I did for a couple of years there. The very first thing I talked about was that very thing. I said, your competition, if you want to be a wedding photographer, it's the cell phone. Right. It's not enough to go and say, we document the getting ready process because everyone in the room can document the wedding process. You need to do something during the getting ready process that is unique and makes your images stand out. Absolutely. And, you need, and every step along the way with a wedding. That creativity. You need, to be, yeah, you need to be able to shoot the bouquet toss in a way that no one in that room could possibly do with their cell phone. No matter what type of photography you do, yeah. people need to be going through websites and they need to stop at yours and go, yes. holy cow. Oh, that's different. Right. Than, you know, well, the, the folks that you brought here today, you know, it was my sunset pictures that made them come to me because right. it's off-camera lighting. And it's also something that your average person isn't going to know how to do. Exactly. How to how to manage a good sunset picture because you go out there with just a camera phone and you're trying to get a picture oh, of I sunset. See it all the time. You're going to tap on the faces to expose and then the background's going to blow out and then you tap on the background and the people are going to turn dark and like so that's something that requires expertise that unless oh, you really crazy. know what you're doing you're not going to know how to do I'm it. I'm out there doing sunset pictures and I see the people out there sometimes with a nice camera and they're oh I want to take my picture of my kids in front of the sunset and they've got no light. Right. And you're like, oh my! So you want to, what you want to take a picture of is a two uh, dark smooths because that's what you're going to get. Is it's, it's just two, you know, cousin the dark, hits. The smooths, the two smooths. You know, just a glob of black, except it's dark. And you know, smooth is white. I don't know if you're familiar with smooth. I, I'm just trying to figure out what a smooth is. The smooth. He was a, he was a cartoon character uh, back in the days of Saturday afternoon morning cartoons. The smooth was a was. I don't know what show it was, but one of the characters was the smooth. Was, it, I want, is, I want is to say it, it was Shmoo or I want, I want to say I want to say it was like Thunder the Barbarian or. Or um, Herculoids. Try Herculoids. Look up Herculoids, Gary. And I think the smooth. It's a. It's. I might be a sh. Will be like a. Will be like a. Like a globular. You know, ghosty looking. Um, like a pile of. Like a pile of moose. There's the smoo. The There's the smoo right there on your screen. There's a smoo cuddling with. So now, if you take the smoo and you turn the smoo dark, that's what your kids look like in front of the sunset. <laughs> When 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 you take their picture, it's just this shape of this you know little. There's a Photoshop shape. opportunity here that we need to uh, make a dark schmoo in front of a sunset. <laughs> like this is this is something that must be done, must be done. Oh, and as soon as we get the cards in, and well, you know, I can do this anyway because it's the photo on podcast page. My family's not on that. Um, I will try to remember. You can remind me uh, to put a picture up to put my family portrait that I did for uh, up on that I lit the way that I described on this show so you can see the kind of lighting I'm talking about uh, from Jamie Hayes. And we need to get Jamie on the show. Yeah, we should get Jamie on the we show. We should get He's right. You know, we um, actually did our family portraits this last week. Too. I saw some of your, your, your family portraits. are so great because you do them so often. Yeah, we once a month. We have it on the schedule to yeah. do it once a month. So, um, but we bas- we basically went out and Julie found um, we like I go shopping. Right. Julie does all that stuff because um, she's amazing. Um, I um, we she bought ugly Christmas sweaters, and so right. it's me and Julie and Ellie, who's almost two. She'll be two in January, and then Grandpa, who lives with us, who's eighty eight. So it's the four of us, and we did this big wide eyed stupid look at the camera, like and like. <laughs> It'll be, anyway, <clears throat> I'll I'm going to say something. Once gonna, it goes live, I'll post it I'm on. I'm going to say something uh, here yeah. that you are going to be like, uh, big deal. But I'm going to tell you, I think it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew you for a long time before I knew your grandfather. That that grandpa lived with you. Uh, this is Julie's grandfather, right? Yeah, Julie's grandpa. And since knowing that, never once have I heard you complain 
about the fact that she li- that he lives with you, and that is such a wonderful thing. He's amazing I because I, you would, because <laughs> I, really though you ask most people what you know you're a young married couple, you know, and 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 before before you even had the baby. You're a young married couple, and you've got your grandfather living with you. Yeah, he moved in with us. Uh, we when we moved bought our house together. Uh, he, but, he he was moved in with us. How uh, Julie's grandmother died, and then um, and then he moved in with us shortly after that. Well, see, so. I think I just think it's wonderful. I, I think it's a um, I don't know. I think it's a testament to character. I don't oh, know. I just well, think it's a wonderful yeah. thing that I never hear about him in a negative way. That's I mean, a we're shame. we're I friends, talk about him and you'll call amazing. me, but you'll call me or text me like, "Oh, this thing happened or that thing." But I never hear, "Oh, Jesus, you know, I got grandpa in the house all the time and no privacy with my family." I never hear any of that. From uh, he's he's awesome. He he does the dishes and yeah. he takes the trash out to the road and back. Like, well, I had that happen. Uh, we he, we he had a short watch time. Ellie. He takes care of yeah. Ellie all day, half the time. Like when Julie's working at home, he plays with Ellie in her nursery for a couple hours at a time, so Julie can get work done. Like we had. A short He's time. amazing. We had a short time when Bobby's mother and uh, and boyfriend uh, were living with us, and I thought, well, this is just going to be a nightmare. And actually, when they finally when they finally got their house and moved out, I was sad to see them go mm. because there were so many benefits to it. Uh, I was like, well, yeah. So now they're they're always here at the house, no privacy. But the upside is, Bobby and I could go out to dinner and stuff anytime we wanted. We would just be like, oh, we're going to, because they were, we had babysitters at the house all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and he's a real handy guy. So he went around and started fixing all the crap that I didn't want to fix. Love that guy. Yeah. I, I love, freaking that, love guy. that guy. I hated, I hated to see him go. Oh, all man. right. We got to wrap this thing up. You want to make a couple of announcements all real right. quick. First of all, um, I want to say thank you to everybody who participated in Giving Tuesday. It was a huge success. We're going to help a lot of people with the money. That's awesome. Second, I have to plug, I'm going to be um, teaching at the Photo Pro Expo. Let me look. Expo. When is that? That I'm just. That's what I'm looking up right now. Photo Pro. And it's in Kentucky, and it's in Feb. Febtober. It's in Febtober. Febtober. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Because I have stuff coming up next year, but I'm not talking about it until the year starts. I don't know why that that matters, but it doesn't. Um, but, but then I don't think I have. I don't think I'm. I'm, I'm going up to uh, professional photographers of Alabama, Mississippi. I think in June. That, and, that'll yeah. be a thing that you do. Cause yeah. <laughs> But I'm just saying I'm not talking about it now because it's so far oh, out. I'm wrong. It's January 26th to oh. the 30th is uh, like next month. Photo Pro Expo. Oh, yeah, talk about that. Let me some of the speakers that are going to be there. It's going to be Julian Cost, Tony Corbell. Oh, she says uh, Julian. Every time she speaks, the room is mm. packed. Every time she speaks, yeah. she is the Photoshop. She's guru. amazing to watch. It's like every five minutes your brain explodes because well, every five minutes she gives you something you can do with Photoshop you didn't know you could do. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be all, you got um, you know David Zeiser and you're gonna, oh Zeiser. Yeah, and you're going to have. Uh, uh, let's see. Al Benke's doing a class, which is cool. Pete Wright, Hanson Fong, friend Pete's of the great. show. Okay. Hanson, my God, this is a great lineup. Yeah, Jen Rosenbaum doing a boudoir program, which is going to be cool. Myself, um, and you know, just tons and tons of awesome speakers that are going to be. It's going to be a really, really. I think I question how you got included on this. I bill. have no idea. <laughs> I paid them. No, um, <laughs> typically, I think they do about a thousand people at the event, which it's a right. pretty, it's a large event, you know. And um, I think David Zeiser took it over several years ago. And so, oh, this is Zeiser's thing because I was about to say Zeiser. Doesn't speak anymore because well, he started running a convention. Well, oh, this, this is, is his thing. convention. Yeah, this is oh, okay. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool one, and so it'll be my first time going. I'm pretty excited to have been asked to do it. But that's January 26th to the 30th, and if you go to photoproexpo.com, you can get all the information on that and who's speaking and all that good stuff is right there. So that's pretty neat. 
I learned a lot from Zeiser uh, when I was first starting out. I, I followed him quite a bit and his uh, how he does his off camera lighting and, and et cetera. Yeah, he's a, he's a lighting guy yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I bought. Um, he's the reason I bought like uh, uh, those Brinkman dual xenon flashlights that I use for. Like, right. He's like, you don't need to go spend four hundred dollars on a video light. He's like, these are thirty dollars at Home Depot and they're amazing. Yeah. Like, I read that in an article in PPA magazine like nine years ago. And uh, I still have them. <laughs> I would use them if I had if they would fit in my. Well, I don't have enough assistants. Yeah, you need a couple of assistants. Yeah, you need to more. hold the lights. You need more help. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Don't forget, you can find us online. Go to photobombpodcast.com. You can send us questions and comments at questions at photobombpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. That's the place you need to be. Yeah, you want to be on the Facebook page? Just go to Facebook and put in Photobomb Podcast, and you will find our page and join up there and uh, and keep up with us and ask us questions and get involved in the conversation. You can find Gary online at HughesFiorelli.com. And also email me, Gary.com, where you can find out about my uh, uh, retreat to Italy in May. You can get a copy of my book and also sign up for my email list. I got a lot going on. I have things. You have no things. I have things. I have things. You need to get some things. I have things. You need more stuff. By the way, I, I know you had to notice that when I did my thing on Giving Tuesday, that conspicuously in the background you did sitting, put the book was in the your background. book was sitting back there in the background. I'm sure it yeah. yielded me zero book sales. But I, but, uh, you know, I'm just saying a little shout out to my buddy. It was had a nice little nudge and a wink. People could see it, you know. Yeah, wink's as good as a nod. Yeah, uh, to a blind bat. <laughs> yes, it is. You can find me online at com, and we will see you back here next week for show number 100. 100. Yeah. It would yeah. be the big show. And we're hoping, I'm afraid to say it for fear that we won't get we're it. We're going to do, if we say it, we have to do it. Okay, we are gonna. We're gonna. It's gonna be a clip show. We're, we're gonna, gonna go through some of the old episodes. Everybody just collectively groaned yes. and rolled their and eyes. Gonna, no, I, I. When I listen to podcasts, I love the clip shows. It'll I be, love it when they play the best bits from the last hundred. It'll you know, be. Shows. It'll be all of our favorite bits. All yes. of our favorite uh, things. So we're gonna try and find some of the some of the, our favorite bits over the over the years, and uh, and put those together and talk about them and play them for you. So that's next week on the show, and we will see you then. All right. See you later.